Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset. Hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. Save big money when you start your next project today at Menards. Convert your current recessed lighting with energy-saving LED downlights from Fight Electric. They're bright and install easily in just minutes. They also go from regular lighting to nightlight mode with just a simple flip of a switch. Save big on all Fight Lighting products now at Menards. Shop our lighting options today in-store and on Menards.com. Save big money at the opinions expressed on this program are those of the guests and hosts and do not reflect those of WebmasterRadio.fm's management or sponsors. Any rebroadcast or redistribution without authorized consent of WebmasterRadio.fm is prohibited. All rise. Welcome to the Cyber Law and Business Report. Get the top story on the hot-button Internet legal topics of the day. This is your home for the latest on Internet law and policy. Hear the latest net trends impacting business and have your questions answered right here. This is the Cyber Law and Business Report. Now, please welcome your host, the founder of the Internet Law Center, Bennett <coughs> Kelly. Good morning, and please be seated. I'm Bennett Kelly, your host today. And after shows in Washington... And Napa Valley, we are back here in Silicon Beach in Santa Monica, California, or this area lately is now known as Hockey Town, USA. Congratulations again to the LA Kings. Um, our show today is entitled Divide and Reveal, and we are going to be starting off with uh, a discussion about the Silicon Valley Washington Divide. And um, we have with us um, Nigel Cameron, who's the president of CPET, who's going to talk a little bit about that. Um, in the second segment, we're going to be talking about Reveal Day, um, which is ICANN's, um, ICANN's Reveal Day, um, which is earlier today in London. They announced the new generic top-level domains. And we're going to have David Mitnick um, from Domainscape on to talk about that. Um, if you want more information on the show and the guests and the topics we're covering, check out our award-winning blog, which is um, ILC Cyber Report on WordPress. And uh, without further ado, let me bring on Nigel Cameron. Um, he is the president for the Center for Policy on Emerging Technologies, also known as CPET. Um, he splits his time between Chicago and Washington, and he's talking. He's calling in today from Chicago. Um, Nigel was a, a panelist at the um, recent Tech Policy Summit in Napa. And um, Nigel, you with us? Great to be here. Thank you. Thank you for coming on. I really, really thrilled to have you. Now, um, for the listeners, I, I recently had made a post on the Huffington Post on the the, you know, the state of the tech policy divide, and and not, and part of my post actually. Um, 
picks up where where Nigel took the, the lead, and he he wrote a very interesting piece on that as well. But before we get into that, Nigel, why don't you tell us a little about who you are and what what CPED is? Sure. I mean, we we put CPED together about four years ago in Washington. You may know there are six hundred think tanks in D.C. Uh, many uh, wonderful, fine organizations, some very large ones. There's not any of them which is a nonpartisan, b long-term in its interest, and c focused on technology. And you know, plenty of good conversations take place, but Washington is not, shall we say, <laughs> well known for its long-term thinking and its nonpartisan thinking, and its focus on tech. And so we have been trying to um, change that situation, and we've made the small start. But you know, we're committed to those three principles. And everyone thinks and says, that's really wonderful. We're very glad you're doing it. And keep me on your list and turns away because that's not where the money lies. Well, yes, I guess to the extent that you don't have an agenda, I mean, that, that's what seems to be generating th- that funds. Although to an extent, you do have an agenda. The agenda is greater understanding of, of the, the two communities, which hopefully would lead to greater policy. Well, indeed, because the, and of course, there are very distinct policy implications of saying we have to think long term. And the technology, well, how do I put this? I think Washington tends to think if you came from Mars, you cross the beltway, you know, you're going, you find Washington and you say, take me to technology. And the policy people will almost invariably say, go to the FCC. They'll say that's technology. Or they might say, if they're really on the inside, go to OSTP, the White House's Office of Science Technology Policy. In fact, of course, technology is now pervading absolutely everything. There's no department of government, which is not simply in terms of you know, having computers, <laughs> but in terms of its policy agenda, is not in fact deeply enmeshed in the future of technology. And that's what Washington doesn't get. What's interesting also, if you look at, even in law, um, a lot of the leading um, internet policy centers um, you know, with at Stanford and Harvard, you know, um, with the Berkman Center, there isn't one in Washington. That would Very be interesting. The yeah, in fact, place. I mean, you know, the Berkman Center has done one two events in, in 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 Washington, and I'm sure others have too. And one of the curious things about DC, which you will know, because you you've been, you know, you've worked on the Beltway too, is how geographical it is. And this may seem strange now that you know we do all these things from everywhere, and we're all virtual, and often we don't know where anybody really is. But Washington, in many ways, is still an 18th century, 19th century community in which people know each other, and it's very geographical. And one of the problems is that if you fly in for something, they're very nice to you, and you fly back and you think you made an impact, and you're largely ignored. You really have to be part of this geographical community. And it's a curious thing, but it's just the way Washington works. It's partly how Washington selects, because when you have 300 million people and 7 billion people wanting your attention, one of the criteria has to be, well, does this person have a little real estate here? They've got a 202 phone number. You know, have I met them before? And if the answers are yes, then, then you get listened to. And if they're not, they're nice to you and you get back on a plane. Sure. I mean, that, that was, yeah, that, that, was, that was a significant event. And of course, Google, uh, you know, now have quite a presence in DC. They, you know, they, they have office space on, you know, on K Street and so on. And they, they do events and they host other people and they've begun to work out how to do it. Um, but it is very curious. It's a, it's a city run by perceptions. And the perception is pretty strong the, the technology companies have an interest in Washington because they want money for R&D. They want to play defense on regulatory issues. They don't want the telecoms representing technology on their own. Um, beyond that, I think they have not had the effect of, of turning Washington into a visionary city, which is really what, what needs to happen. Now, um, 
we we were both at um, you know, Tech Policy Summit last week in Napa, which you know, they did a wonderful job at you know, bringing all mm-hmm. this together. But um, you know, one thing that 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 um, conference does is, in some ways, it's a good measure of where we are on the divide. And since you've written about this you know, extensively, um, where do you think we are today on the whole divide between Silicon Valley and Washington? I think I think I think at one level there are some there are good things happening. I'm very enthusiastic for what Tech Policy Summit has done, Natalie Fonseca's uh, leadership, um, and other people have been doing things too. But the TPS is really unique for the things it does and pulling people up to the West Coast. I think a comment I think you made in your in your in your your piece, and which I also commented on, was that when you go to these events, everyone is very nice to each other. Occasionally, you have a little bit of a fist fight on one of the panels. Um, <laughs> But, Which there was. <laughs> if there was. <laughs> um, uh, but that in general, you know, it's, well, let's say it's a bit like going to a bipartisan meeting where everyone's wearing a red sticker or a blue sticker. Right. You know, and everyone's very friendly. Then they go back to their camps. And most of the people there are either Valley, West Coast, techie, geeky people, or they are DC people. And then they, they fly back. Um, and it's, if you like, the phrase I use, it's, 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 a, it's, a, it's, it's a mixture. It isn't a compound, you know. Um, the thing hasn't gelled. And it's an odd thing for people to be in a location like that. Um, mm-hmm. And it, I, I think, well, no way of putting this. I mean, I, 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 I would be about this a while ago. I called bridging the, how to bridge the continental divide. And, you know, I, I, well, being a Brit, I can get away with things. I throw language around in ways that some people fight. They roll their eyeballs. Americans are more literal than I tend to be. But I said, you know, I said years ago when NASA was visionary, it sent these probes out, you know, which are now well beyond the solar system. In fact, one of them is on Twitter. You may know this. It tweets its location every hour or so. That's incredible. About 30 plus years ago. And I said, you know, I said last week I went even further from Washington. I went to Silicon Valley. And it does seem to me that the corporate culture, the corporate culture, the defining assumptions of the Valley as a community and DC as a community are as far apart as you could get. And that neither community is particularly interested in the other. I mean, the Valley regards DC as a waste of time. It rolls its eyeballs. It plays defense there. And as somebody once said, Rob Atkinson from ITIF said this, he says that DC regards the Valley as an ATM. And I think there's a sort of mutual disinterest which suggests neither of them really get it because ultimately technology, vision, innovation have to integrate with governance and ultimately America's security and future depends very largely um, on that integration from, from the government end. I, I, that's very insightful. And, um, you know, it, it's interesting having attended, a, for example, I went to the one in 2008 and I, I think there the, the, the chasm was much bigger. Um, and and actually, there was one attendee, a panelist, who more or less bragged about not paying attention to Washington. And I, I think I, I wanted to ask him what you know, that might explain the kick kick me sign on your back, because um, you, you do that at your own peril. Yeah, um, it's. I mean, one of the interesting things is how difficult it is to get Washington people to um, to go to these things. I mean, senior people. Uh, I remember, it may be the 2008 one, I forget which it was, uh, one of the earlier ones where a member of Congress, actually a California member of Congress was speaking. And he was, I mean, he's a, he's a great guy, but he wasn't, you know, he wasn't the most, the most important person in, on the Hill. And he changed the time of his speech at the conference at the last minute because he had to be in D.C., which is a classic D.C. thing to do. 
Um, and I actually missed his speech as a result. I mean, that's the way in which TC regards, you know. People are not lining up to say, oh, I really want to go speak at TPS because I hear I can really connect with the smart people on the West Coast thinking about technology. And I guess that that is the challenge. And um, But the thing that I see as an improvement what, is that if you look at what is happening on the Hill, you, you see that you know, somehow people are communicating. We're, we have, the message is getting through. There are a lot of tech initiatives being pushed forward. I mean, they're not always getting it right. But um, you know, whether it's you know Startup Act 2.0 or you know the response to SOPA, there there at least seems to be some communications. But uh, certainly, <laughs> how does one put this? I think Washington has finally discovered the internet. You know. <laughs> wow, we have the internet. And, you know, back in AOL days, some of us came to that, you know, reflection back in the 90s. Um, but Washington, and, you know, I mean, obviously, I'm being a little bit unfair, but not totally unfair. I mean, internet issues are now mainstream issues in Washington. They are. Um, and the fact the UN is not wanting to regulate it will make Washington even more interested, I think, and, and cross. Um, but it's it's backward looking. It's basically how you relate this to the telecoms legislation, which is you know which is the default context for discussing these things. It's you know how you how you please you know these now very major potential funders and nuisances like like you know like Facebook and 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 and, and Google, as, as they you know plant themselves in Washington. Um, I mean the Internet Caucus you know has done some very good things and they have a great conference every year and and some some some, some very smart people are involved with this discussion. It's very interesting. I, I mean that. Lisa, I mean, who is, you know, in some ways a controversial political figure on the right, you no know, doubt. has mastered Twitter and has put himself out there as the, the, the leader of, of, the, of the people, you know, the anti-SOPA people. I mean, some, some new things are certainly happening, but it's basically catch-up time, and catch-up is good. What I would like there to be is, for example, well, let's just throw out ideas. I mean, a, a joint, you know, a, a joint committee you know, of, the, of the House and Senate. Um, as they do have on a number of things like like economics, on the future, and it, you know to have it packed with the top with the most significant political players. And the real problem with the future is that it isn't a Republican issue or a Democrat issue. And one of the curious things about DC is, as you will know, is that if you want to get action on something, it usually has to be a controversial issue on which one side has won won the votes. Things that both sides think are a good idea tend not to get time, tend not to get uh, legislative, um, you know, people won't pay a price to push them through. And I think, I think, I think the future is the issue. The, the issue is not technology, it's the future. They've caught up with the internet. But this is, this is Moore's law, this is exponential. Well, it's interesting. Uh, first of all, you know, having something uh, a joint committee on the future would be difficult because how do you agree on the future when you, when you definitely don't even agree on the present or, not, or the past? I mean, we're still arguing over the New Deal. And you know, some people, not just you know whether you know, that whether there are lessons to be drawn. We're arguing over the factual aspects of what what happened, and so how do you argue about that, the future when you you still have you're still litigating the past. You're right, and of course, one of the peculiar situations now is that I mean, obviously, the future issues that have salience on you know in 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 the political arena are the deficit and the Social Security Trust Fund. Yes. And these are <laughs> this is the future basically by means of the past. I think I think the answer lies in reframing it, lies resetting. You know, at my organisation, we have the uh, our little tagline is asking tomorrow's questions. 
um, which I rather like, and we've registered that. You can't have it. Uh, asking tomorrow's <laughs> questions, it, it's, about, it's about the questions. I mean, one way I see Washington, it's a city full of extraordinarily smart and decent people, and I'm really very high on the people there. I think there are very few of them are crooks and very few of them are lazy. I mean, these are, these are really good people, left and right, um, all answering the wrong questions. 600 think tanks, all answering the wrong questions, you know, to generalize. Because what are the questions as we look 10, 15, 20 years ahead? They'll be completely different questions. They will transcend our current political disagreements. They'll reframe our politics. And I think that that will happen. It has yet to happen. I think there are some signs it could happen. But it's a, it's a matter of reframing the agenda. And then things fall. And then I think you end up with a whole new layer. I mean, you aren't fighting about the New Deal, you know. You're, you're ending up discussing the kind of agenda which people talk about all the time, you know, if you're in the Valley or if you're, you know, Stanford or Singularity University. So what's an example? What's something you would like to see um, DC be talking about that it just seems to either um, for lack of will or, or lack of um, kind of ability to grasp is, has not been doing so? Well, for example, um, the, the, the convergence of, of, of technologies and what that really means. Now, the NSF wrote about this stuff a decade and more ago. There's a report from MIT recently. But, but the point is technologies are coming together. If technologies come together, if you aren't talking about bioscience, you, you, you aren't talking you know, about chips. You know, you are, you, you, I mean, basically, if all of these things are beginning to move technologically and certainly in their applications, their translation, then okay, uh, what about these research agencies we have? You know, what about the way that we, we pump funding into different fields? What about the way in which you know, our universities are organized? I mean, you know, huge concern. This was a big discussion point last week at one point about the lack of translational research. I know Paul Kodrowski was talking about it on the panel that I was moderating. Um, you know, we're pumping $30 billion a year into the NIH, much of which goes to universities, which are structured in the way in which they were 100 years ago. Um, I mean, it seems to me it's, I mean, so if Washington is, is serious about that technology converging, shaping every policy set of options, um, that's the kind, the kind of issue. I mean, then of course you have privacy. Now we've come up, up against privacy as a, you know, playing defense on, um, on, on the internet. Uh, my sense is privacy will be one of the biggest interests of the next generation. Um, and it isn't the leftist, it isn't the right issue. It's an issue that's cut across traditional lines. You get the Federalists and ACLU agreeing with each other on some of the more traditional privacy questions. Um, but it, it'll be things like technological convergence and privacy and, you know, the way in which, you know, whether we have the human brain interface, you know, the, 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 the brain machine interface, whether we're going to have implants in our brains, what this will mean for freedom and responsibility and jurisprudence. You know, I mean, every member of Congress needs to get up a bit on neuroscience and, and you know, the, the, the way in which, in which the brain and responsibility and connections with technology are all going to, I mean, these are going to be huge questions. You know, none of this is on any of the platforms um, in this presidential election. No, not at all. And um, but what is on the platform is uh, we have a we have a break. But when we come back, we will be with Nigel Cameron talking about the Silicon Valley DC divide after these messages. Stay tuned for more of the Cyber Law and Business Report after this brief recess for our sponsors. Looking for a white-label SEO and social platform for your clients? Think eBrands. Free and unlimited SEO audit reports. eBrands. Premium Facebook apps and welcome page creators. eBrands. Twitter management app, analytics, and mobile site generators. eBrands. 
Let eBrands manage your search and social media campaigns and give you and your clients access to their white-label dashboard, which have great reports that will wow your clients and deliver great ROI and results. Try eBrands for 30 days. Go to eBrandsWithAZ.com or call 1-866-625-5717. That's eBrandsWithAZ for eBrands. How far do your ads reach? You don't have to fly around the world for the right consumers and clients to find your business. What you need is profit through performance. Location 3 Media helps you to increase your brand's findability and performance. Let Location 3 Media help you create efficient and effective online marketing campaigns that fit your needs and get you results. We know every click starts a journey. Where will your brand be on the path? Visit Location3Media.com. Rise links and web indexes. Take a bow to the largest link map in the world. Majestic SEO. Majestic SEO wields its virtual sort with speed and accuracy to deliver detailed reports of your company's link data and that of your competition. Let Majestic SEO make you your own king of internet marketers and join the crusade of clients and agencies that have chosen the noble choice for link intelligence. MajesticSEO.com Maximize ROI to use your time and let Majestic wield its mighty sword. MajesticSEO.com It's good to be king. Your virtual webmaster frat house. WebmasterRadio.fm Hey, bring your togas. WebmasterRadio.fm Thanks for listening. WebmasterRadio.fm We're everywhere. The best gavel-to-gavel legal news and information on the net is right here. This is the Cyber Law and Business Report, only on WebmasterRadio.fm. And we're back with Nigel Cameron um, from CPET, and um, we're talking about the tech policy divide, which we saw was definitely an ongoing discussion at last week's um, Tech Policy Summit. And Nigel, you've done Tech Policy Summit a number of times, haven't you? Yes, indeed. We've been involved for several years now. This seemed to be one of the more successful ones, I think. I think so. It was more more intimate. I mean, I think your comment you made before about the process maturing somewhat, uh, it it was more intimate. People, I think, were more personally engaged. Um, I I think the the organization was brilliant. I mean, having panels, no no great long speeches, no PowerPoints, uh, people engaging each other. And I think uh, there's certainly a, a group of people there who I think are very committed and who would, you know, be having this kind of conversation even if they weren't there. That's true. And um, and, and a shout out to um, Natalie for all her work on the, the what was a great summit. Um, particularly happy to outdoors at Napa was wonderful. Um, now, one thing you know, that struck me, and I mentioned it in my the, the Huffington Post um, piece, was that it, the, the culmination of the, the, the event was a uh, a panel on. Um, the 2012 elections, and it here it's something it reveals something about you know, Silicon Valley and how they view things. You know, so much of the response was about um, using technology to facilitate information on politics and you know the, the election, rather than actually using this moment when they have the media here to say this is what we need to do in policy. And, and so it kind of struck me that you know. We're dealing with a lot of engineers who just you know don't think policy you know as a first or second thought. 
I think that's true, and I think I mean it's a sort of self, you know, a sort of um, a logical problem here. And the people who are most involved in technology um, are typically technologists. Now that is, of course, not entirely true, and a number of us, you know, have much broader background involved with this debate. But I mean, the technology people who, of course, tended to run these companies because these companies, I mean, all the new companies basically set up by the, the technology people who invented the technology. Um, they are not people who think policy is significant. They can be very dismissive of it, or it just doesn't occur to them there is a policy issue, except leave me to get on with my tech. Whereas, of course, what's happening now with technology is it is becoming highly relevant to every single area um, of policy. And therefore, you have to find a way to have much more sophisticated discussion of how these things pull together. Now, see, part of it is, I mean, obviously, Government 2.0, you know, I was in, in, uh, in uh, a government, speaking of Government 2.0, LA, Alan Silberberg's conference a few weeks ago, you know, specifically on the way in which it seems to me um, these technologies can help to revive democracy. Uh, mm -hmm. It's as fundamental as that. Um, but you have to put together the using the technology to fight the election with the fact that technology enables us to engage in the things the election is really about. And, and, and voice what that should be. Um, and I think, I think part, part of the problems is that we have become so accustomed, I mean, as a democracy, to leaving these things to the politicians and the lobbyists. And we complain about that, but it's what we do. And then you get some new platforms. For example, of course, at the conference, uh, one of the speakers was uh, my friend Marcy Harris, uh, who is running PopVox, which is a terrific online platform, started, you know, with a, with a valley base to it, and, and involving people on the Hill to enable citizens to get involved in particular questions. The SOPA thing was a sort of one-off, you know, single-issue campaign. But there are now platforms like PopVox being developed, which in fact mean that we can all be involved in the political discussion all the time. And I think this is just the very beginning. I think so. And I, I, I spoke with her, and she uh, explained the idea. And I think it's just a brilliant idea. And she, you know, she herself used to be a Hill staffer, so she knows yeah, right. how, how to get the information in ways that be valuable to them. Um, it's interesting, you know. I just you know, with the knock on Silicon Valley, for, you know, for being more technical oriented. It's interesting uh, on the Hill side, as you indicated, that you know, a lot of them are, are kind of. Um, loosely related to technology, and it, you see it in in the hearings on the Hill when they talk about the technology. It's usually some senior member talking about um, an experience of their grandchild. You know, it's not something necessarily personal to them, but it's something that they've heard about. You know, it involves this this machine that's in their office that they use to show pictures of their grandchildren and and pile other things on top of. You know, I, I wrote a I wrote a uh, newsletter piece for CFAT a couple of years ago, um, in which I you know said, well, what if we had a, a law that required every federal elected federal um, uh, official to spend two weeks every year at technology conferences on the West Coast, just sitting there and listening and imbibing and grasping it? But it's a broader problem. I mean, you may know HBR did a did a um, poll recently showing that of the 250 Fortune Fortune 250 CIOs, only four of them have blogs and 25 are on Twitter. I mean, it's a generational issue. And guys who are kind of around my age, you know, I mean, I'll be 60 this summer. <laughs> you know, I mean, it's perfectly possible to jump in and you can't do it a second hand. I mean, social media, I say it's like saying you're sorry. You can't have someone to do it for you. And the polls and the corporate leaders have just got to jump in out of Congress, out of the C-suite and pl play with this stuff and realize how much it's changing everything. 
I think that's a very insightful comment. I mean, imagine if that were the case, but with how things would be different. Um, Nigel, we only have a, a few minutes left. What, what if people want to learn more about CPET and what you're up to? How should they do that? Sure, that's great. Well, um, we, the website is c-pet. It's not about pets. If you Google it, you may get stuff about pets, but c-pet.org, or you can just Google me, Nigel Cameron. It's a somewhat distinctive name. Um, and separately, I have a blog called futureofbiz.org, futureofbiz.org on WordPress, and uh, sort of other things. I mean, I you know, write and think about the future and about how some of this stuff works outside DC, because it's all how you put it together. And uh, be very glad to be widely connected. And uh, the TPS Summit, there was a, the hashtag was TPS2012, uh, and that's still live, and people might want to pick up on the, you know, the long tail of that conversation. Yes, and actually, I think eventually the uh, website will have video from the conference, um, so the, you can actually see um, what it is that we've been referring to. You can sit to, there and, and be jealous of us on the deck there for two days in Napa. Two days in Napa, yes. You can, you can have your own wine, though. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> Well, Nigel, it's been a pleasure, and uh, I want to thank you for coming on board. I hope you'll consider joining us again, but um, it's a very important issue, and you've done a great job at highlighting it for everyone, and so um, thanks again, Nigel. It's great. Terrific. Thank you very much. Cheers. Um, when we um, next, we're going to segue into a very important development in um, the, today, and um, with what is known as um, today is known as Reveal Day, and um, we it's in five o'clock this morning, L, um, LA time. Um, we had um, an event uh, where ICANN announced um, the. Who were the applicants to for the new generic top-level domains? And apparently, there were close to two thousand applicants. Um, and uh, we're going to have David Metnick on um, to discuss that. And I'm trying to see if we actually have him just yet. Sure. Oh, so we have David. All right. Yes. So hi. David. How are you? All right, David. Thank you for joining us, and um, I'm glad we got everyone on board. Um, David is the founder and president of Domainsgate. David, why don't you just um, and and Howard, why don't you just give us a, a two minute a little overview of who you guys are and, and what Domainsgate is? Sure. Um, thanks so much for having us on. Um, and uh, Domainsgate is a uh, online legal resource to help uh, brand owners and trademark owners uh, protect their their valuable names and properties. Um, I. I I, I started it um, uh, with Howard. I, I, my, my background is in intellectual property law, and I practiced for about 11 years and did a lot of brand protection. And you know, brand protection for a long time has really been the domain of the you know Fortune 500, um, uh, you know, larger companies uh, with, with with deep pockets. Um, but now with the internet, it's becoming you know small companies and um, uh, mom and pop shops are having the same types of problems that um, uh, larger ones are having. So we, we created uh, Domainscape to, to help everybody um, uh, protect their, their online properties. And um, I come to the, the company from a background in both helping startups. I write a column for Inc. Magazine about startups, as well as having a long background in Internet. I've worked at Microsoft, and uh, I've worked for the last five years in social media. I'm national co-founder of Social Media Club and have worked uh, also teaching about social media in the master's program at NYU. Wow, that's quite impressive. Now, um, so 
this morning at 5 a.m. my time, I guess 8 a.m. your time, more, more bearable for you guys. <laughs> a yeah. I mean, still some coffee required. Um, so tell us what, what happened in Reveal Day today. Well, uh, today uh, was a pretty historic day uh, in, in the history of the Internet. Um, today, uh, ICANN, yeah, the, the governing body of the Internet, uh, released, um, revealed all of the um, applicants uh, for the for the new registry who have applied for the new registries uh, that could be um, uh, existing on the internet in you know a, a year or um, uh, maybe even less. Um, the the um, uh, there were roughly one thousand nine hundred and thirty applications for a variety of different registries. And um, so, you know, at, right now, today, uh, as the Internet exists, there's approximately 21 um, top-level domains, which need the sort of the .com, .info, .biz, those, those types of uh, uh, registries. And ICANN is now looking to expand the Internet in a really amazing and epic way uh, that is, that is going to have profound effects on, on everybody that uses the Internet um, and um, you know every company and business that that operates on it. And just to just to clarify, this is the part after you know for the folks who are non techie a little bit. It's the part after the dot. So dot com dot net um, are the things that you might be familiar with now. Dot org um, dot tv dot fm. Uh, but the kinds of things that you might see in the near future are dot amazon dot apple dot google dot ford um, and and more. Uh, over almost two thousand. New choices. So, what were some of the names that were named that came out? That seems to be. <laughs> well, what is, some I know Google. The Google wanted dot lol. Is that is that true? Yes. Yes. Google actually um, applied for roughly a hundred um, different um, registries, which and... ironically would not make them the top one. <laughs> no, because I think there was. This one company has three hundred or something. Yeah, I think that was um, think donut was donuts. Yeah, they they they, they operate on a broad swath, mostly you know th- they're really end type of registry, but at this sort of generic space where you're talking about you know dot you know pizza or something like you know something along those lines. Right. Um, but there were some really interesting ones. Um, there was dot duck, which I thought was really interesting. <laughs> I dot wasn't quite duck. sure okay. <laughs> what somebody would be doing with dot duck. Um, dot kosher, dot beer, um, pizza was in there, uh, bingo. Um, so so th- those were some of the more interesting ones. Um, and there were a lot of different um, uh, entities that were actually applying for multiple um, Multiple registries, and actually, um, there were there were about two hundred and thirty strings. So that would be like a dot app dot LLC dot LLP type. Um, there were more than two hundred and thirty of those had multiple applicants, which is going to create a lot of. Uh, it's it's really going to create an interesting dynamic going forward um, as to How who is choose? going to actually. Well, that's interesting. Um, you know, I can um, really would like. For the um, applicants to figure out, you know, sort of, you know, equitably, um, either you know, some sort of a sharing, or one of them bows out, um, you know, some type of a, of a, an agreed resolution. If that doesn't happen, then it's going to go into an auction phase, and then it's going to be whoever can actually, you know, pay the most for that for that registry. 
And that's going to really set up an interesting dynamic because, you know, some of these applicants like, you know, Amazon and Google, they've got pretty deep pockets. Um, so you could see some really funny numbers, you know, going around for what they perceive as very valuable properties. Right. And then and obviously how much they bid for it will tell you a little bit about how they think this property can be used. Now, if John, John Jeffrey, if you're listening, um, Cyber Law and Business Report is happy to host a debate among any any of the competing people for you know, some of your your top your top levels. So, um, but just throwing that out there, just like last year, we <laughs> offered the red to have the Red Sox on while we still had Mojo. But in any event, um, so what's tell us what's next and um, and and why why this is important. Well, um, you know, it's 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 really important for brand owners um, to be aware. Um, they they don't necessarily even if you don't. If you even if you didn't file an application um, to you know obtain a registry um, so that you're kind of immediately in the game right now, um, if you were sitting on the sidelines and just sort of waiting, um, you know right now is the time to understand the process. Uh, if you have an organization with different levels, it's time to inform your executives and your legal team and your marketing. Um, you know how you you know intend to you know brand yourself on the internet, and if any of these possible new registries are going to affect you, or if there's any of these strings that possibly um, conflict with the trademark that you own. So, you know, at this point, it's really important for, um, for people that haven't been, you know, companies that have been on the sidelines to this point to, you know, make sure that they're aware of the process going forward. It's, it's going to take some time. There's, an evaluate, there's a lengthy evaluation process, and, and there's also an objection period. And it's going to be really – it's incumbent upon um, those companies to understand what, what the time frame is uh, and the deadlines and make sure that they – if they have a concern that they voice it. And it's important to know that there's a 60-day comment period. There's, there's actually pretty a long-term comment period, but 60 days, the first 60 days, the comments that come in, I can state it in their press conference that they would pay the most attention to those public comments. Additionally, there's going to be a trademark um, registry that um, – will uh, take people's, you know, marks so that they know that there's potentially a conflict. And now, that's um, the next things that happen. Sorry, go ahead. Um, the two things that did come out of the, uh, the reveal day is, one, um, there, there, there is going to be a, a, a top-level domain for We Love Cyber Law and Business Report. And <laughs> um, the other domain is uh, we'll be back after these messages um, and talking about um, reveal day in London with ICANN after this. Stay tuned for more of the Cyber Law and Business Report after this brief recess for our sponsors. Join the thousands of search and social media marketers at one of the largest events of the year, SES San Francisco 2012, August 13th through the 17th. Learn more at sesconference.com. SES San Francisco 2012 kicks off three days of sessions with a keynote presentation by Google digital marketing evangelist Avinash Kaushik speaking about business optimization in a digital age. Check out daily Meet the Expert roundtables where you can take part in intimate and informative discussions with industry icons. Add over 70 sessions, a crowded expo floor, on-site training at the ClickZ Academy, the big search engine watch eliminator, goodbye, and webmasterradio.fm search bash, and you'll have SES San Francisco 2012, August 13th through the 17th. Register for SES San Francisco 2012 today by clicking on the banner ads from the webmasterradio.fm website or go now to SES. 
How much time do you spend on SEO research and competitor analysis? What if we told you that there was an easier, faster way? Searchmetrics SEO software propels you to top positions on search engines around the world with our unique global search, social, and competitive data in over 60 countries. Gain a competitive advantage today with searchmetrics.com. That's searchmetrics.com. Let's go inside the WebmasterRadio.fm production studio, where the production team is stitching up podcasts to load up into the WebmasterRadio.fm Stitcher channel. Rock on, Laurie, and rock the world with LinkedIn. Welcome to Domain Masters, a show where you learn to be the master of your domain. Yeah, I want to welcome you to this edition of the SEO Rockstars. Hi, this is Bennett Kelly, and you're listening to the Cyber Law and Business Report. And welcome to CEO Coach. Listen to all of your favorite WebmasterRadio.fm podcasts without downloading. Only on the WebmasterRadio.fm Stitcher channel. Just click on the Stitcher banner on our website. Blog, blog, blog. WebmasterRadio.fm. We're the talk of the town. WebmasterRadio.fm. Thanks for listening. WebmasterRadio.fm. We're everywhere. The best gavel-to-gavel legal news and information on the net is right here. This is the Cyber Law and Business Report, only on WebmasterRadio.fm. Thank you. This is Bennett Kelly, and we're back with Cyber Law and Business Report. And we have with us um, the founder, president, and CEO, COO of Domainscape, David Mitnick, and Howard Greenstein. And uh, we're talking about Reveal Day in London. Um, so y- you get a domain... Um, wh- why is that important? What, what, what can you do with it if you are um, own that do- um, top-level domain? Well, uh, you know, owning a, a, a registry, a domain registry, uh, is, you know, is really different than owning just a, a, a domain. Um, you know, essentially, you're going to be owning everything to the, to the right of the dot, as Howard pointed out before. Um, and operating a registry um, is, gonna, is a huge undertaking. Um, so, you know, it, giving, um, for example, with dot app, um, there's, there were a bunch of applic- there were a bunch of applicants for the, for the dot app, um, uh, registry, uh, whoever gets that is going to be able to sell, you know, every domain that could possibly be created within that registry. So similar to dot com, how we have, there's about 270 million, uh, dot com individual domains that exist in the registry. And, you know, the potential to have that type of growth going forward in any one of these um, new registries is, is certainly plausible. Um, I, th- I think that, you know, we are certainly going to see some of these registries fail. And that'll be very interesting to see how it affects the Internet. Um, but Has the, one failed yet? Well, no. I mean, once they once – they, well, you, you mean in terms of uh, – you know, Any of the ones so far – well, you know, some of them haven't achieved the kind of success that was initially thought. For example, .mobi um, was, uh, was created by, I think, it was Intel and Google and Nokia and a bunch of other companies that really thought that the future of um, uh, you know, bringing the Internet to mobile phones could be done through um, a, a specialized type of Internet that would be done through .mobi. And it actually it really didn't have the kind of appeal because now with smartphones, everybody wants the real Internet. So .mobi really didn't gain the kind of traction that they thought it would or the kind of popularity. Uh, and so, you know, so that really has been you know, a little bit of a failure. Um, but if, you know, the, uh, if, 
somebody like registers dot food, for example, and every restaurant in the world decides to jump on this, and then the people who own dot food run off with the money, and the, the registry fails. You can picture thousands of restaurants having no website because you know McDonald's dot food wouldn't res- wouldn't resolve to anything. And right. this is this is basic internet infrastructure. You know, people wonder about um, Bitly links and shortened links like Twitter t dot co links and what happens in 10 years if, if Bitly or Twitter goes out of business and you want to go and search one of these old links, you won't be able to. This is, is equivalent or even potentially more damaging than that problem because you have sort of base level internet functionality that we're going to be adding. And then, you know, when you, when you get rid of it, it's going to be a big deal unless somebody spends a lot of time redirecting everybody from dot food to dot eating or whatever, you know, the, the relevant domain is. So um, once you have this, obviously, you, 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 and you run it, there's obviously the responsibility, but you, you do get all the fees for people who register. That's right. Yeah, you, you know, a, a lot of you know a lot of companies, um, you know, a lot of people are looking at this. I think you know more than about seventy five percent of the applications were actually for uh, registries that exist in you know a generic space like dot art dot book dot blog type of thing that are not Again. branded. Yeah, that are not branded names. Um, but for the fifteen percent of them that are brands, uh, they're going to be looking to create you know individual ecosystems that they're going to you know presumably place a lot of their internet infrastructure into um, and tout the fact that you can find them at the dot four dot google um, dot jaguar and and that it's going to be a secure network and um, that consumers are going to be able to rely on that. DJ, is there any anything to show that consumers will respond to the branded um, domains? Because uh, you know it's a new it's a new concept. Everyone's so used to dot com and then the others. It's a boom yeah. for advertisers. I, I can see this yeah. being a huge, huge amount of campaign. Um, I can see Super Bowl ads in my mind already. You know, saying visit us at you know dot Ford or dot Chevy or dot GM or dot Lincoln or dot. I mean, all these all these domains have been requested by the respective brand owners, Um, and I can see a huge um, percentage of people going, "Oh, dot Ford dot com, uh huh." Um, You know, there's uh, you know the um, already it's still the tendency of a lot of companies to put www. And some companies not, and a lot of people will put www. You have to make sure your website's configured. So there's, you know, people who add these new domains are going to have to spend a lot of money educating their customers, their consumers, that they're in, in another place or in a new place. Um, so, and, and I think it's going to be a major education campaign. So what's Google going to do with .lol? They also requested, uh, I mean, the list of stuff that they requested is pretty extensive. Yeah. Um, and, you know, that LOL, I don't know, maybe someone, maybe it was someone's idea of, you know, literally someone's idea of a joke, <laughs> yeah. but, but, um, you know, when you look at Charleston road registry, which is Google's, um, you know, the organization has requested all the domain names on behalf of Google. Um, you have everything from dot baby to dot, um, app to dot CPA to DOG dog earth eat family film fly um hang out here how kid uh, you know i don't wow. associate google with kid or baby or love right. 
dot love definitely not <laughs> that but dot uh, meme. <laughs> somebody's got somebody's got some ambitions here they have dot wtf <laughs> I know one of, the, one of the questions in, in that same um uh no hidden way some the donut corporation actually did wtf but um in, in the press they, conference did they, do that? I didn't they that. did they did so in the press conference someone asked I the first question was a wall street journal reporter said someone's re- requested dot sucks um is this really good for the corporations of the world and Rod Beckstrom from ICANN was basically said, I have to remain neutral about this. I, I can't, you know, make a comment related to one way or the other. But I'm sure that whoever's got dot sucks is uh, um, pretty pleased with themselves right about now. No, definitely. Because obviously, yeah, that would be the first, that would become the gripe center. Yeah. And, um, Potentially. Potentially. Which in some yeah. ways, if, if you're, for your clients, that's actually a good thing because you know where to focus your search. Yeah. And if everyone goes there, it's easier to find them rather than if they have some kind of blended name that you know you have to really try to find them out. Yeah, yeah, that's a that, that's a very good point. And um, you know, go, going back to your question too about you know what what how this could affect things, you know, the the potential to affect search is also you know really significant. And to the extent that you know that search engines start to separate things based on what these new you know, registries bring to the table, it could have significant impacts on, on traffic and which, you know, means, you know, millions and, you know, potentially billions of dollars. It's going to be very interesting. Now, we only have a few minutes left, gentlemen. Why don't you tell us what's the best way to find you and uh, what's your next big uh, conference or um, promotion? Well, you can find us at domainskate.com. That's skate like an ice skater, S-K-A-T-E. And you can find out all about the services and resources that we have, as well as sign up for the beta of our new app that will basically let people file a UDRP complaint if they have a domain dispute for much less than a traditional legal process. Um, and then, you know, so far as festivals and, and events, I'll, I'll ask David, where are you going to next? Uh, well, you know, we, we're, we're hitting all the, uh, the different social media um, uh, conferences and things here in here in uh, here in New York uh, where we're based and uh, we're going to be following also the the progress of you know, with a keen eye towards pro- the uh, ICANN meeting in Prague um, we're going to be you know following that and providing regular updates and um, uh, Twitter feeds you know based on you know what's going on there because it's going to have a really big impact when is that? on some that's coming up at the end of the month and, and David, I forgot to ask you for the travel budget for that, but Prague sounds really good this time. <laughs> yeah, we can talk about that. Actually, I may, I may be in the area. That's what I was asking. But anyway, yeah. event, I want to thank you both, and I hope you'll consider coming back on and, and telling us more about this interesting topic. Um, it's been a pleasure having both of you. Um, we only got a few minutes left. I wanted to give you a brief update on some other things we covered in the last show, and um, the Facebook vote. Um, has finalized all precincts reporting, and it's 87% no. And, um, and um, so, but it is not binding on Facebook since less than 1% of the people voted. Um, so it required a 30% threshold for the vote to be binding. So the vote is resoundingly no, but not that resounding that they have to pay attention. Um, secondly, to, you do have the right to remain silent. Anything you do, can, and say will be used against you. Everyone knows that from every cop show we've watched over the number of years. But today is the anniversary of um, the 
the Miranda decision. And surprisingly, the Miranda, the um, reversing his conviction um, turned out to be a bad thing for Miranda because uh, he was later released from jail and um, he was killed in a bar knife fight. So he actually would have been better off had he lost his case. Um, and finally, with the NBA Finals going on and the Oklahoma Thunder, Oklahoma City Thunder taking a 1-0 lead, um, there's an interesting um, web development. There, um, a group of former Sonics fans put together a documentary on, and initially ran it on the web, and it won a Webby Award, and it's called Sonics Gate, and it's all about how the the Sonics um, were kind of ripped from um, Seattle and moved to Oklahoma City, and uh, it was been recently been recut. And actually, this, this time they actually bothered to get the rights to the content they were airing, and it's it's aired on um, CNBC, and so uh, it's available on um, SonicSkate.net, I believe. Excuse me, SonicSkate.com. Um, it's available. You can watch either the original um, is also available online, um, but definitely check it out. It's an interesting story about how a, a very successful franchise ended up, you know, leaving. Uh, Seattle to go to Oklahoma City where you know, definitely, as evidence showed last night, they're still very successful. But this is Bennett Kelly um, live from um, Santa Monica, California in the heart of um, Silicon Beach. And I want to thank you for joining us all um, and hope you'll join us next week on Cyber Law and Business Report. Court is adjourned. That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm -mm -mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.